When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast. This is the AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That is Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing, Hello. Emily? I'm good. Yeah. I, I am recovered finally from that crazy trip to Norman, Oklahoma and all the, the driving. I don't think I told you, but we, we flew into Dallas Friday night and then stayed in Pottsboro, Texas, drove to Norman in the morning for an 11 a.m. kick. And then drove back to Dallas after the game. And that's. And is that the most efficient <laughs> way to do that? For the t- No, probably not. But it is very hard to get to Norman and fly in there and stay there and stuff. So we figured having a car would be better for an 11 a.m. kick because then we'd be in control of what time we could get there and everything. But um, first game of the season, learning curve. So next weekend will be smoother. But I'm finally well, caught up with my sleep. So yeah, and I think I saw on Twitter you're going to Ohio State, Oregon next weekend. Yes, another challenging place because Columbus also not easy to get to, but we're we're working on it. We're very excited. Columbus though. doesn't have an airport. It does, but it's small, okay, and so the, the flight. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's not hard. But my the girl that I work with, uh, Kim Montoro, she comes from New Jersey, so mm-hmm. we are like trying to. I don't know. We'll see. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but ready to talk some AAC for this week. Okay, yes, we are have our week two previews mm-hmm. on tap for all 11 AAC games. Uh, it was a rough week one for the conference. It was. Uh, I just saw a stat before we started recording that of the teams that are going to be uh, in the conference after this realignment thing that's been mm-hmm. widely reported takes over, not one of those teams beat an FBS school in week one that's remaining. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Memphis SMU who beat FCS schools. You didn't have anyone beat an FBS school. That's not a great look for a conference. That's kind of in a little bit of turmoil overall, just because of, yeah, I know. And as we record Houston earlier today, officially, uh, I believe applied for big 12 membership. And that, like I said, uh, on our last podcast, all that's supposed to be accepted by Friday, the 10th, not what we're talking about today, though. I'm sure I'll (laughs) write something about at some point. Uh, We're talking about how, I did a little bit better than you on our week. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Eight and yes, three. You You're six and five. This yeah. is what you get for uh, going bold and taking Tulane. I, I know. I'm upset. I told some people to my boyfriend to bet on Tulane and, and uh, San Jose State over USC and neither of those panned out. So feel, feeling not bet, great. If you bet Tulane to cover, he would have been fine though, I think. I just point. told it. I mean, I don't understand how betting works and I never, ever gamble, but I was like, I always thought just like pick this team over that team. I think it's called straight up. You just pick That's that team. Money line. I was just like, do it. And then it, they almost, to be fair, they were less than a yard away from like, you know, him winning no, big money. But No, Tulane played a great game that game. So I, I just, I made the safe pick and you know what? It yes, worked out. It worked out for you, but one of these days it'll work out for me. So we'll, yeah, it, we'll stick with this plan for <laughs> right now. Uh, we got a lot of games to get to. So let's start with one that I think is really, really interesting for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's South Carolina at ECU. They're traveling to uh, the pirates and that in itself is always something that we like to see is the uh, SEC school coming to us. 
Yeah. But what else is interesting is you just talked about how you don't 100% understand betting. Vegas has ECU as the favorite in this game. Not by yeah. a lot, but by enough where they're the favorite in this game. How many points? I believe the line started at like one and a half and went up to four and a half. Wow. Which is basically basically a pick them, but they're the home team. But it doesn't matter to me. They're the favorite. And that, I think, is really surprising given who ECU has been the past five years or so. Unfortunately, we've talked about they might take improvements and strides every year. They're still not really winning games consistently. They just lost by 14 points to open mm-hmm. the year. Uh, in South Carolina, obviously, is an SEC school. Usually they get the uh, benefit of the doubt in that kind of regard, but I'm interested by it. Uh, I think the most interesting on-the-field aspect does come from South Carolina. Who's their quarterback going to be? Is it still mm-hmm. the grad assistant, or do they actually have a little bit of a <laughs> – better situation there for them. that was such a fun that was like i loved this weekend at last weekend of college football because where do you ever get storylines like that oh it's so silly it, the silly it was, and his first name's like zeb so you know why not <laughs> no and i if they're healthier at quarterback you'd assume that they're better but he played mm-hmm. pretty well i know it was an fcs game against eastern illinois last week but right. you'd assume that a healthier quarterback room is what you're looking for if you're the game guys <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you think that that kind of Vegas expectation that ECU should be the favorite, even if it's only by a point or so, is accurate? I don't understand gambling and lines and betting. Okay. I, I don't, I just. So like... let me put you this way. Currently, <laughs> okay. the people who are paid money to decide what the spread, should, like mm-hmm. how big a difference, and will lose money if they get it wrong, think ECU is going to win by about a point. Mm-hmm. So they want, they expect to be like 21, 20. Yeah, well, I'm picking, I'm picking ECU to win again. So like, yeah, I do think it's wrong because I think ECU's going to No, no, then you think it's correct. Okay, but you said by a point. They're going to win by a point is what the biggest line is saying. I, I think they're going to win by one point. How do you, like. That's all, but this is how, so when you. <laughs> that's see, what I'm saying is I don't know. No, but, okay, so. <laughs> This is going to turn into a gambling podcast really quickly. But at <laughs> no, the most well, basic, because I don't understand. <laughs> at the most basic, if you see a team is mm-hmm. uh, minus three and a half, that means okay. they're a three and a half point favorite. Right. So when you see a score at the end of the game, you take you subtract three and a half points off their score. So okay. for instance, if that's 24 to 21 is the final, you subtract three and a half. Now they've got 20 and a half. That means they did not cover on that game. It means that the team that lost won money on that bet. That's just so much effort to think about it just, how many points a team that, is going to score. I have no idea well, how many points either team is going to score. Anyways, what they're saying right now is ECU will probably win by a little bit. You'd be betting on ECU to win bit. and cover. Okay. Not just one. I mean, You'd be I just think that I just think they're going to win. And I'm, you know what? I don't want to jinx them and be wrong again, but I feel like that home you know, you shake off the first game, which wasn't great. But like you said, in the last podcast, there were some promising things that you saw that were better. And I think that's Mike Houston's MO is like, every time you see him come out with this team, it's going to be a little bit better. I don't think we're going to see it regress, you know, at all. And even, you know, South Carolina coach was talking about the team yesterday or today. And he's, he's talking about the things he want, he threw out the app state game. He's like, I don't, we're not going based on that game. We're going to go based on the last game that we saw them play, which um, was the, uh, can't remember the game that they, they played before. Oh, SMU. When they beat SMU at the end yeah, of last was, year. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. Jumped, they jumped SMU pretty good in last season. Yeah. It was like a 40 point first half from ECU in that game. 
Exactly. Um, so Shane Beamer said, you know, that's the game that we're going to look at for this team instead of, you know, the App State game. The so. other thing to remember about the App State game is that even though they weren't themselves last year, App State's a pretty much perennially top 25 program at this point uh, from the yeah. Sun Belt. So, like, they're a good team. There's no shame in losing to App State. Um, I think I picked App State to win that game. I don't think that was the most surprising thing ever. I can't remember 100%, but, yeah, you know, I, I am high on the Pirates this year, and I did think their defense made a lot of improvements. Mm-hmm. I don't know that South Carolina's going to have as good a running back tandem as App State did. Right. App State has a really good running back tandem. Uh, what really, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, ECU needs Holton Ehlers to be consistent. Yeah. No, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> he, he just can't be a 50% completion percentage yeah. guy. He needs to be closer to 60 at this point in his career. You know, I mean, just a couple more completions is all the difference in the world. The running game for ECU is very young. If they can get a little bit more than they got last week, I think they're in good shape. Well, what's funny about Holden Ehlers, however you say his last name, I can't even. Ehlers, um, yeah. Ehlers, that's what it looks like, but I want to pronounce that L differently, um, is that uh, Beamer said that they recorded him, re- <clears throat> recruited him at Georgia mm-hmm. uh, when he was at Georgia and went to some play, you know, a bunch. So the funny thing about that is he, Beamer's very familiar with this kid and how he plays and what he does. So yeah. he's a, he's a little bit like Tim Tebow playing. And a lot of why he went to ECU is because he's from Greenville. He's got mm-hmm. great ties there. His dad does the PA at the stadium. That's awesome. Yeah. And he, like he went to ECU because he loves it. And I love that he's there at ECU. It's a great story. I yeah. just want him to win there. You know? Well, hopefully he'll feel a little more comfortable with this home game. You get the atmosphere back in Greenville. You get that home game. So I think we're going to see like night and day between the team we saw last weekend and this team. So I'm going to pick ECU. I'm going to see you too. Oh, okay. Zero, zero, I like ECU this year. I've stuck with that. I've okay. also said they need to go two and two ahead of conference to be successful this year. And yes. Marshall looked really good last week. So I don't know that I'm going to pick them on that one. Okay. But, well, that's fair. You know what I mean? But that's looking ahead too far. Uh, yeah. Our next game is, uh, I think, one that was one of the better out of conference games we saw in all of college football last season. Mm-hmm. Not, that was a very limited spectrum of games we saw out of conference. Right. But it was a very good one. I don't know what it's going to look like at all this year, though. It's Tulsa at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tulsa last year was obviously an excellent team that went to the conference championship. They should have beaten Oklahoma State, but they kind of blew it at the end of the game. Um, I don't know if you're paying too much attention to that at the time, uh, but it was very frustrating for those of us who kind of thought Tulsa stunk to start last year because that's what they had been. You know, in all fairness, though, Tulsa had been had like three straight years where four wins was their maxed out. Like, right. you know, no one saw them being as good as they were last year. Then when they flashed that against Oklahoma State, you kind of said, finish the job, though. Be back. Finish the job. Yeah, uh, they couldn't. Now they go to Oklahoma State coming off a loss to UC Davis. Ooh. Oklahoma State, it should be pointed out, though, they did not look dominant in their game against Missouri State, another FCS team. They only won like 23 to 16, I want to say, off the mm-hmm. top of my head. So it's not like they were overly impressive either in week one. Yeah. How do you think Tulsa bounces back from what happened last week? What do they have to do? This is tough. And I didn't realize this is called the Turnpike Classic. Yeah. They play pretty much every year at these two. Yeah. They have a very extensive history when you go through the the game notes that um, Tulsa released. They have all this you know, only 72 miles separates the schools. And this is why it's called that. And 70, 71st meeting 
between the two teams. Mm -hmm. So obviously this is something familiar for them. Um, I don't, I am not even actually sure who Oklahoma state beat. Oh, they want, they beat Missouri state. Yeah. That's That's uh, what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Petrino, I think is the coach there now. Oh, that's crazy. I haven't heard that name in a while. Um, I don't know. It's, it's one of those games, you know, that you're going to be playing a pretty powerful team going in and you're coming off one of the worst games that you've probably had in a while. <laughs> like, yeah. That's all everybody's talking about. So I, I think it's, it's, it's a toss up for them. Like they could either come out and be rallied from that awful outing last game, or, you know, it's quicksand. Or you I don't act, really know either way it's going to go. You can act like UConn does after a tough loss and just <laughs> curl up into a ball. Yeah. Like to think they're not that team. Um, they strike me as fighters, so I I feel like they're gonna come out and be pissed, which is how you should be after that. But mm-hmm. you don't I don't know. Yeah, you're completely right. How they respond to the loss last week is gonna dictate the rest of their can mm-hmm. the rest of their season because again, I hate to look ahead past what we're doing right now, but they have to go to Ohio State in a week. Yeah, and that's gonna be a loss. Let's just say it now. And if you start 0-3, that's just demoralizing. You yeah. know what I mean? It's tough. So they do. Especially coming from this team last year where they, I mean, they were ranked first or second in most defensive statistical categories. Mm-hmm. And and it's not that their defense did bad. It, against, Collins was the conference defensive player of the year. You know what I mean? Like, just, they were so good on defense yeah. last year. And they just, again, the run, the rush defense wasn't terrible against UC Davis, but the pass defense was not there. It just yeah. wasn't. Um, and I think that's this is what I think. A, yeah. Go ahead. You go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I'm going to chime in. This is a Mike Gundy coach team. They, mm-hmm. they want to throw the ball when possible. They're, mm-hmm. Obviously, they have some balance, but they want to throw the ball. And if you can't stop that, you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, I think they can't. Their defense is good. I think aside from this, and it's hard to be like, oh, I think they're good because of the game. But if you put this game aside and you look at what they're supposed to be and they have a lot of senior leadership. That's the thing is they've got these guys that are back. You know, they've returned 11 players from that team that was mm-hmm. so good last year and sp- specifically like defensive linemen and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So you have to imagine that those guys are going to be like, Hey, we have to step up. And that kind of senior leadership is important when you're shaking off a loss like that. So I have to believe they're going to come out and, and try and mm-hmm. knock Oklahoma state in the teeth yeah, right yeah. away. You absolutely have to come out swinging. You can't try yeah. to absorb Oklahoma State's initial first. <laughs> no. um, I also think Tulsa needs to lean on its running game. I don't. Mm-hmm. As of yeah. right now, what I saw last week, I don't believe in Davis Brent. And I know that Seth Boomer, the backup, I do not believe in because I've seen him before in games too, and he has never looked the part. Uh, it's a tough environment. Stillwater is not an easy place to go and play. You need to be able to control the game on the ground. Probably kill yeah. some clock and shorten this game. Don't give them too many possessions. This is the it's kind of tough. game, though. Oklahoma yeah. State could be looking at that film last week, and they might underestimate this team. Yes and no, it, though, because they played them last year and got punched in the mouth hard. And you know what I mean. So I don't think but they, they didn't lost. lose, right? No, but they were. No. It was like a thirteen to seven. Or I mean, they haven't like lost a game to Tulsa. Oklahoma State's won the eight last eight games. Yeah, but so, the way last year's game went, they should have lost. I think they know that. Right, so but they I, didn't. I think, so statistically, the yeah. last win in the series came in 1998. So you have a team that has won so many in a row. Sometimes they get a little comfortable. I'm just saying it's it's a possibility. It, that It's possible. I just think that it tends to happen after a 31-3 to three win, not after a dogfight. 
That's Maybe. what they had last year. I don't think there's really a rhyme or think, reason to it, to be honest. Fair enough. These are college kids at the end yes. of the day. College uh, football does what it wants. Do you think Tulsa's got it in them? I mean, I think no, no I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. I tend to agree with you. I want them to do it. I would love it if they bounce back yes. and prove that UC Davis was a fluke and that they're going to be a solid team in the conference this year. I don't it buy it. It would be epic, but probably not. Um, we're going to another team that's coming off a pretty rough week one. And it's frankly a pretty rough week one to two just off the field of what they have to do within their Twitter mentions too, because they're hearing it. Uh, that's yeah. Florida at USF. Bulls fans are not in a great place right now, but Hey, you're about to get your indoor practice facility broken ground on. That's something. Yes. <laughs> it's something that's a positive spin on, you know, yes. being left behind. <laughs> Anyways. I don't know that there's a lot to say about this game. I think it'll be very interesting to see which quarterbacks play the most for both teams. And I say that because Florida's got its own little quarterback controversy. I know we know Emory Jones is going to be the starter. Mm -hmm. He ain't going to be the only quarterback that plays, though. No. You know, who does USF start? Do they stick with Cade Forden, kind of? Or do they go, you know, change it up? We still haven't seen Jaron Williams, the Miami transfer at all at quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think if they get to the third quarter and they still haven't scored again, you or scored yet this season, which I think is a very strong possibility because, you know, of who they are in offense and who they're going up against. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be some major questions to answer because that would be, you know, going on six, seven, eight quarters of possibly no points in a football season is insane. And I think it's very possible in this game. Yeah, it 100% is. It's going to be – I love, though, that – I love when it's in-state teams like this yeah. because – Oh, Even absolutely. though it's, you know, absolutely. it'll be rough. These are absolutely the types of games you want if you're an AAC team, someone from your state, the same as the Oklahoma State-Tulsa game. You know, same as South Carolina ECU. You want someone from your region, someone close to you, someone where there's a lot of local interest and a lot of high school recruits will be looking at it. You know what I mean? And you can showcase yourself. You just do want, you, you Do just you think that Jeff Scott went to Dabo Swinney after this and was like, hey – how should I proceed? <laughs> Do you think he goes to Dabo for advice ever? No, he, I mean, I'm sure they've got a good relationship still. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think Dabo's got the time to be telling him, all right, here's how you have to fix the entire USF. But Dabo's such stuff. a nice guy and he's such like a family first. I have to imagine. I think if- Dabo has a place for him as co-offensive coordinator if he never needs it again. But I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think Dabo has that. I mean, running Clemson's a full-time job. I mean, full-time. He spends a lot of time with that. I don't think he's got time to. I'm sure he gives like. I bet you. You know advice. what? I'm, I'm gonna sure ask like little bits of it. Go I'm gonna ask, ask because be I. Know, but I, I've been I giving think, little bits of advice, but I don't think he's giving in depth. They keep advice. in more touch than you think. Like I've been told about several coaches group chats, you know, where they check in on each other, and especially oh, if they've coached together yeah. for a long time. I, of course, I do know about the Nick Saban now head coach, former assistant group chat, Bisling Kiffin. Let slip that that exists publicly. Yeah. Well. Uh, you know, Saban and Kiffin didn't exactly get along when, when they were at Alabama. I have some hilarious had, stories about that. Yeah, they didn't get along, but they absolutely needed each other. Mm-hmm. It was a symbiotic relationship. So I don't But Saban that, could not stand. I mean, they just no, were oil and water outside it, of the football field. It's so. the funniest thing in the world. Like last year when Ole Miss put up like 50 points on Alabama, just watching Nick Saban have to stand there and watch it happen. It's hysterical. Yeah. Kind of, I, I like Ole Miss this year. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the USF Bulls. Uh, yeah. I think I don't really have. <laughs> Do they have any, like, like I, 
Yeah. What position are they even remotely comparable to Florida? That's a really good question. I don't think there is one. I'm not sure. I think they're going to have a very long, difficult day. I think, you know, they're talking about Raymond uh, Raymond James Stadium being basically sold out. It's going to be the Mm -hmm. small part, too. It's not going to be Bulls fans. It's going to be Gators fans. It's just a bunch of Florida fans. (laughs) That's what the, you know, I mean, the state of Florida, you know, the big three, as they're called, they Mm -hmm. are huge. And the Florida Gators are very big in that region. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously UCF is Orlando. USF does have Tampa fans and they do have fans throughout the state, but UF has a lot more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the reality is this USF team, if they're playing, you know, FAU, say, another Mm -hmm. Florida team, that stadium is going to be all empty chairs. It's basically sold out because it's the Gators and because people are Gators fans and it's a little bit of a cheaper ticket, easier to get ticket, frankly. Yeah, 100%. And apparently this game, I mean, there's been reports and stuff talked about how it's going to be phased out because, you know, it's not, it doesn't bring any value for Florida and the average fan outside of the state like someone on my coast is not really going to care that this is, you know, interesting to people in Florida. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to fans of Florida and it's interesting. Mm -hmm. If USF could have taken steps forward, it would have been very interesting to see a good, a good AAC team from Florida play the Florida Gators. Same as, you know, uh, UCF just scheduled a two for one series with Florida, Mm -hmm. assuming UCF will still be good during those times. And they're going to be in the big 12 for a couple of those games now. You know, those are interesting, interesting games. You know, when FAU or FIU plays UCF or USF, I think those are very interesting games. But yeah, no one in California cares. But I mean, nobody in most parts of the country cares. Who in Florida cares when San Jose State plays Cal, for instance? Exactly. Exactly. But I'm saying that they're going to phase these out. That's, that's, if you look at their schedules down the road, you don't see UF playing USF down you know yeah. the, these games they, these kind of matchups are going to be something of the past it's also a bit of a coward in how it schedules for what it's worth they don't leave the state well, of it's, Florida. it's not worth they, it's not worth it for them i get it it sucks but it's not worth it well yeah that's the tricky thing with all this scheduling now we're getting, getting into the weeds a little bit here if you're a power five team what value is there in playing a good g5 team mm-hmm. ever there's none because if you lose that good g5 team your season is shot in the shin before right. you even get going if you win, you only you did what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. There's value in playing other power five teams because you can mark it as a power five win. And there's value in playing teams that are just terrible because you know that you're going to crush them. Right. I mean, UCF shot itself in the foot for years with their, with Danny White's mantra about scheduling, which I at the time was all for, but as an experiment clearly failed because UCF has like no, no one on the schedule in the upcoming years. Um, all right. Well, the positive for the for the game has to yes. be that they expect it to be the largest crowd since hosting FSU in 2016. So regardless of whether it's Florida fans or not, they're still going to get revenue and money from that. So yeah. good for the school for selling out the game and getting the money from the ticket sales, the concessions, whatever it is. So that that's a positive for USF. <laughs> it is. I think if you're USF, the goal should be to figure out who your quarterback is in the scheme and stick with them for the rest of the season. Yeah. The goal I just should... think if, if we see Jeff Scott improve on the things like you talked about in our recap, you know, you're talking about things that, that you didn't like about the coaching staff and how they just weren't in game decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So if we see that improve, I would say that's a bit of a victory. I know that's a low bar, but at least that's trending in the right direction. So, yeah, but I'm still picking Florida. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
that's an easy pick. That's probably the easiest pick of the week. And we've got our next game is going to be just as easy, but yeah, we'll keep this next one quick. It's Murray State at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is going to crush them. This is a get your reps in for the week and get the backups in practice time against mm-hmm. live action game. It is, I've got nothing to say about it other than Cincinnati by 50. You know? Yeah. Cincinnati should crush them. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm picking Cincinnati. I'm sure you are. I have to say one of my things I'm really excited about for this game is what Desmond Ritter coined the offense. Did you see that? The, no, I ca- missed that. It says, I'll read the quotes as part of what we said to be on offense is quote code red and quote oh, Ritter said that's relentless, that. explosive, and disciplined. I felt we put that on display last weekend. That's what we like to see week in and week out. So I'm excited for some code red. That explains part of my Twitter timeline to me because I saw Luke Fickle in the Cincinnati Bearcats like Twitter accounts right after each other tweet, you know, hashtag code red with hashtag this code like red. gift. This like gift that just said code red. I was like, that makes no sense. Don't know what that means. <laughs> now you know. That's what Absolutely. we're here on the podcast the for. We, we are, are here to explain are, things like that. <laughs> we are learning things in lifetime. Um, yes. Uh, but so code red. Yeah, quick and easy. We we're both yeah. on Cincinnati. I think yes. that we're wasting our breath to say anything more. Temple at Akron, I think, is a much more interesting game, though, because mm-hmm. of where Temple's at as a program. Uh it's too early in the year for me to say it's a must win, but it's kind of a must win. Yeah. You know, after the way that Temple lost last week and knowing that they're just talent wise, uh, experience wise towards the bottom of the conference. Yeah. You get to play USF and Navy who are both awful, awful this year, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it, you just need to get these wins now, especially if you're going to try to have something to build on going into conference play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Akron's not a good team. Let's just, mm-hmm be honest with it they're towards the bottom of the mac that's someone that anyone in the aac should beat i know that you have some good relationships with the coaching staff at temple do you know anything about how they feel about this game going into it i haven't you know after that weekend i haven't really caught up with my temple i'm sure they're busy (laughs) i'm just i didn't even try i was like i'm not i'm gonna listen but here's what i'm looking for this weekend um temple has won their last five matchups against the zips outscoring akron 178 to 46 in that span so there's a positive Mm -hmm. uh wide receiver Jaden blue is 14 receiving yards away from 100 1500 or so 1500 all time Mm -hmm. so if he can get 14 receiving yards then there's a a record set so that's great Mm -hmm. for him and uh lastly if quarterback dewan mathis is unable to start which i'm guessing is the case i was about to talk about how like i couldn't find anything on their injury stuff I have to imagine if he was on crutches, it's not likely, but I will check in with their offensive coordinator and see if I can find anything out. Um, But if he doesn't start, this would mark the fifth straight game that Temple has started a different quarterback and the sixth game out of the last seven. Uh, Yeah. So that's not great. (laughs) (laughs) These are interesting things to look for in this game. And there's a lot of adversity for Temple to overcome. I mean, there is no shortage of things the world is throwing at them to try and test their, their moxie and their resilience. And I would love to see them just come out in this game and just get a a moral victory, like a, a, an emotional and a mental and a physical, all kinds of victory. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. They, I think that they've got a good shot. Like you said, there's, there's issues there in terms of the health right now. Uh, You mentioned Dewan Mathis, David uh, Martin Robinson, the tight end also got banged up against Rutgers. I don't know what his status is at this point because again, we'll have to check. Yeah. Again, Temple's just keeping that close to the vest right now, which is 
you know, that happens a lot in college football. They've got no obligation to tell us since, you know, student athletes health. I'm not going to pick on them for not making that more uh, apparent or out there, but, you know, but those are two of the really key players on offense. What we need to see from them on offense, though, no matter who the quarterback is, is the offensive line step up and be a physical force. Uh, mm-hmm. It's okay if you make a couple of mental mistakes. Those happen. Uh, it's not okay to get blown back consistently. And that's unfortunately against Rutgers. It's what kept happening. It got, you know, Dewan Mathis killed back there, quite literally killed back there. Yeah. You know, because he was just getting hit mm-hmm. so often. He didn't have time to really go through his progressions. He didn't have time to set his feet and make an accurate throw. And it affected him all game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mathis is a quarterback. I'm going to stick staying with Mathis until we hear for sure he's not playing yeah. uh, for right now, just because he is the starter there. And I know that Rod Carey and company are sticking with him going forward because, you know, they are. He is a guy who needs the opportunity to develop and grow in games. He doesn't have a lot of live game experience. There's a lot of talk because he did go to Georgia for a while and he did play in Georgia and he didn't play particularly well when he got the chance against Florida last year. Mm-hmm. He didn't look all that good against Rutgers either, but I don't know that it was his fault when the whole time he's on his back. The same thing that happened to Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback against Notre Dame. You can say he was bad, and that is true, but it's really hard to develop as a player in live action when the whole time you're getting run down. Yeah. So that's why I want to see more than anything against an Akron defensive line that you should be better than. You should be Mm -hmm. bigger than. You should be stronger than. I want them to show that they can do that. Yep. Shout out to uh, Rich Berg, their SID, for his mention of the the great band, The Script, in his mm. game notes. Love love a good Hall of Fame mention. And then my, my last note on them is a fun fact for Temple fans. Temple is the only school in the country that can claim two of its former head coaches are now running NFL teams. Can you name those coaches? Matt Rule, for sure. Yes. And then running NFL teams, former head coach. So, uh, yeah, yeah, head coach. I'm trying to go through the ones that I know for sure. I mean, Al Gold and Steve Adazio, they're not in the NFL. Like, they're not. Uh, you had Jeff Collins. He's at Georgia Tech. Uh, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Okay. Give me- Tom Brady. Oh, Bruce Arians. Mm-hmm. Right? He was the coach way back in, like, the 80s, right? Yep. He manned the helm for the Owls from 1983 to 1988. While Rule was obviously more recent, recent coaching from 2013 yeah. to 2016. So, do you want to get distracted really quickly with the Virginia Tech, <laughs> or I guess with the Bruce Arians fun fact? Do you know who sure. the top two leading rushers all time as a quarterback are at Virginia Tech? I don't think I could tell you. Michael Vick and Bruce Arians, which okay. is the silliest combo I could have you could have ever come up with. Yeah, me, but. I, I would not have guessed that. So. Yep. Now we've got all our Bruce Arians talk. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Fun tumble facts. All right. Next game. Awesome. Uh, wait, we didn't <laughs> oh, wait. pick that game. Yeah, I picked Temple. I agree. Got to okay. beat Akron. We're yeah. pretty similar so far, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, we're going to. Not letting you keep up. This is how I'm going to. I got my lead. I'm going to have to pick something. Season. Yeah, I'm going to have to no, pick gonna... something different. to. What you're going to gonna... oh, need is for me to pick first because I can just follow you all season like this. You won't. Not if I pick out outlandishly, then you won't. Well, if I'm trying to protect my lead. <laughs> yeah, but you got to pick big sometimes to win big. So, uh, All uh, right, what's really next? Really interesting game. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't – so it's the Commander-in-Chief's trophy game between okay. Air, Air Force at Navy. It's happening on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I'm sure there's going to be a yeah. ton to do with that. Yeah. I don't know that I have 
a ton to add to the fact that that is it. I was in kindergarten when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. I've got very few memories. I don't think it's my place to talk about it beyond the fact that I don't think it's any surprise they scheduled this game for 9-11. Yeah, um, I, yeah. It's you know, going to be incredible, though. It, it, it's going to be a huge, huge uh, showing. Um, I think that for this game, I what I need to see out of Navy is offensive. It's similar to Temple. I need the offensive line to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. I want you to stick with Xavier Arline at quarterback because he is the best running option you have. A proper Navy team doesn't need the best throwing option. It needs the best running option first and figure out the passing game later. He is by far the most athletic running quarterback they have. So I want them to stick with him. And I want the offensive line to show it's, you know, capable of doing the things the Navy offensive line is <coughs> doing that triple option, which is mostly cut block. And when mm-hmm. they go back to pass and just hold your own for a kind of a two second click. Um, yeah. I you know, these two teams hate each other more than Air Force and Army, or sorry, Air Force and Navy hate each other more than Navy and Army do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that, but there's legitimate hatred between how they recruit one, like each other's players and things like that. It's I did not. Yeah, there, there's a lot of disdain for the between these two teams. I'm very excited for this game, actually. I think it's going to be good for Navy. They had eight different players, including three of the offensive line, like you said, make their first career start. So mm-hmm. it's that's obviously a big concern, especially against a good team like Marshall. So you're going to get a little more stability, hopefully as each, as they get more comfortable each game in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I agree with everything you said, we it needs to be better. You need to see more. You need to see uh, the mistakes. I mean, they've got to stop the sacks. Like they just have to yeah, just find a I way, mean, throw your body in front of somebody. I don't care. You, if you're Navy, you want to be in a position where you don't have to throw more than two, three times a game to begin yeah. with. So you know, if you are in those spots, you can't just give up another sack and yeah. you can't let the game get so far away from you where you have to throw up your Navy because yeah. you're not capable of it, you know, right. but Air Force is also not the type of team that typically pulls away from other teams. You know, they're built similarly to Navy. Right. This isn't going to be one of those games where Navy walks in at a talent disadvantage, at least. Right. You know? And I like fun fact, Air Force football is honoring the B-52 Strata Fortress with their 2021 edition of the Air Power Legacy Series uniform in this game. Well, we're getting uh, some unique uniforms in this game. Yeah. We're I know Na- some... Navy always breaks out all the stops for the Army game and vice mm-hmm. versa, you know. I'm excited to see what if they've got their own thing here. Because I do you remember the Blue Angels helmets that they had a few years yes, ago? Yes, love that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely love it. Love all those. Uh, do you think that Navy can bounce back this week? I am going to pick Navy because I think the 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 first game was so tough, and to play against Marshall, who is extremely talented, um, it's a very hard way to work out some kinks. But I think they're going to come into this one, like you said, better matched up more similar schemes in, in this Air Force team. So I think it's going to go better for Navy this game. So I'm going to pick them to win. Okay, so I'm looking at the rest of the games we have. I don't think there's going to be another game where we disagree. So might. I don't know. We'll have to see. For the sake of disagreement, mm-hmm. I'm going to take Air Force. Are you going to take Air Force? Okay. I'll take Air Force. I think that I want to see Navy do the things that I want that I thought they could do coming into the year and take a little step forward with that. Didn't see them at all against Marshall. Want to start seeing them this game first before I start picking them again. Rooting for Navy, certainly. You know, home game for Navy, that could help. But I think yeah. Air Force and for the time being. Fun fact that this is the earliest the two schools have ever met in the season. So. Oh, yeah. Tell me that this isn't just on a certain date. 
course, but I, I love that. I love when there's new traditions oh. created like this and mm-hmm. they're going to do a lot of very, very, there's so many connections between the players and that specific date. And I'm going to write a little bit about that in my weekly column um, outside of, out of bounds to talk about, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on off the field. So definitely look for that, but there's a lot of unique connections between these players and the specific date and time. So it's very, uh, very meaningful. It's more than football, which I love. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a great atmosphere there. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to move on to a team that yes. desperately, desperately needs to win this game. <laughs> yeah. And that's Houston at Rice. Dana needs a win, baby. Uh, <laughs> Well, so far he hasn't said anything demeaning about Rice, so he should be okay as long as he makes no weird comments or things he shouldn't be saying. Well, he'll come up with something, I'm sure. <laughs> You're like, he'll uh, find a way. <laughs> you know, Rice is kind of built in that Stanford model of team, which makes some sense because they're both really academically sound institutions that expect that academic standard to be withheld within the football program too, which obviously limits your recruiting ability. Uh, so they tried to model themselves after Stanford I don't know that it's working out perfectly because Stanford at the very least had has more access to great players by virtue of being a Pac-12 school you know I love Mike Bloomgren I like him too I'm not knocking him necessarily it's just harder to get player like where Stanford thrives is they can get a Davis Mills at quarterback every now and again they can get a Christian McCaffrey at running back because they're in the Pac-12 still I think those are very important aspects. And once they got it going, people look at a good winning school as a good winning program that can get them to the next level. You I know, think for Rice Stanford, though, if Christian, Mc, Christian McCaffrey went to Stanford because his parents went to Stanford. So it was less about the well, Pac-12 and, and more about Stanford. And that's a lot of the athletes that go there are mm-hmm. because parents went there, family went there, and because it's an incredibly challenging academic school. And the academics is a large part of it for me as to mm-hmm. why there's similarities between the two. Yeah. You know, it's just my, my point though, in general, is just, it's harder to get athletes to compete when you're in conference USA than when you're in the sure. Pac-12. That's more what I was getting at. Not It's funny because the Pac-12 McCaffrey complains like, about that too. <laughs> they say well, it's harder to get people to come to the Pac-12. Well, yeah, but they're comparing themselves to a different standard. You know, mm-hmm. they're comparing themselves to getting a guy to go play at Clemson versus getting a guy to play at SC. And Stanford says it's hard to get guys to come to play that are, that have the grades, that have the academic. That's a a complaint that everyone who requires that has Notre Dame has that complaint. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vanderbilt has that complaint, you know, Tulane, Bryce, you know, Duke, any of these Mm -hmm. schools that really do put emphasis on it still, it's a challenge. Yeah, it Um, is hard. You know, and that's where Rice has kind of been since this, well, forever now, basically. Yeah but especially since the Southwestern Conference folded. Uh, Houston, uh, they need to figure out some way to get Clayton Tune to play mistake-free football in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, what happened last week was he just kept forcing the ball in and trying to do too much with too little. And I think at some point he needs to understand the importance of the check down. Where's your check down? Find the check down. Or is there a lane to scramble or even just throw it away? Don't, not everything has to be a home run ball. If it isn't there, it's better to, you know, play the next down than to lose it here. Right. And it's just something that hasn't gotten through to him yet. And that was clear last week. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit on the last pod about uh, the comments that Dana made about his offensive line. Well, you know, here's a great opportunity for the offensive line to take that not as a demeaning thing necessarily, but try to 
respondents a challenge. Say, exactly, yeah. look how strong we actually are mm-hmm. against a team that you are physically stronger than, you know? Yeah. So those are the things I'm really looking for on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, I didn't think the defense played bad against Texas Tech, to be honest. Yeah. I think they just got put in a really tough situation throughout the second half. Uh, I'd like to see them maybe be a little bit more consistent and cohesive, but I thought they were pretty good overall. I don't have a ton of issues with what they put on the field there. The other thing, which is, again, goes back to the Texas Tech game, Dana and his staff did not adjust nearly as well at the half as Texas staff, Matt Wells and company did. I want to make sure that he makes the better adjustments in this game at halftime. Mm-hmm. And that those are the things I want to see out of Houston in this game. Uh, what do you have? I think I one of the things I didn't realize is all these games have names. This one's called the Bayou Bucket. Yeah. The Bayou Bucket Classic. So yeah, this that's is an old, old Southwest <laughs> yeah, Conference game. Love that. Um, so there'll be, you know, 40, 43rd all-time meeting and 40th to decide possession of the Bayou Bucket. So excited mm-hmm. to see that. And then uh, they'll also be doing a special 9-11 um, tribute. They're going to commemorate the day with special uniforms. Um, both teams will wear their home uniforms to feature red, white, and blue color scheme. Okay. And they will have 9-11 memorial decals on their helmets. So, I think this is not even about the uh, celebration, which great. I like it. I think more teams should both wear their home uniforms at the same time, as long as the colors don't clash. Because I think, yeah. Like the U.S. Well, we saw UCLA that last game. night. Ole Miss oh, Tul- Louisville. Yep. And then Tulane, Oklahoma did it. Mm-hmm. USC, UCLA always do it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it looks really good when the colors match up, right? You know, it's just it. tough with teams like Oregon who go so crazy with all their uniform oh, yeah. combos. It's like, and yeah, if, they- <laughs> if you get like Arizona playing Cal, it's kind of tough because they're both wearing Navy at that yeah, point, you know? True. So you can't always do it, but when you get a nice red versus Navy, I think that works. Yeah. Um, this game itself, though, I've got Houston winning. Yeah, it's same. I'm going to go Houston. And they need to win this game because, you know, that was not the start Dana needed after a couple no. weird, weird years. That's the way I'll describe his first two years. I think this first year, the first game is going to be a distant memory as they face Rice, Grambling, Navy, and then possibly a little difficulty at Tulsa at Tulane. But I think they yeah. get a nice couple slate here to, to kind of cleanse but- everybody's palates. That, that's true, but then look at the end of the season because it's going to get just as hard at the back end. And you don't want what people remember you as is the uh, the coach who lost three. I don't know. I days. really – I don't see too many games that they – I mean, they have at Temple at the end. Um, oh, yeah. I, they end with UConn, so. Okay, well, in the middle. <laughs> as I know that so I'm like Tulane, ECU, SMU. Okay, I, that's I it, not necessarily easy, but I think – the Houston ECU game would be a good game. It's going mm-hmm. to be a battle. So, well, well, hopefully you're right then, because I, you know, I think I mentioned it last time. I'm not trying to root for anyone to lose their jobs, you know, mm-hmm. necessarily. Like it's part of the sport, though. And right now, Dana's seat is hot. Uh, we're going to move on now to another quick one to talk yes. about. I think uh, it's Bethune Cookman at UCF. What do I want to see out of this game? <laughs> what would you like to see out of this game? I'd like to see Dylan Gabriel be a little bit more consistent with his placement on some throws. Uh, I'd like, in general, though, the team to just keep doing what they did in the second half against Boise State. You know what I mean? Just take a week against a lesser opponent and you know get the live action reps in. Because that's awesome. what this is. Yeah. You know, I don't have anything else for it, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's... It is what it is, but it's a way for them to take 
what struggled at Boise or with against Boise State in that first half that was rough, you know, and work on those things so that they can come out and not be a target like that because you don't want to be that team that teams know they can come out strong against and will struggle. So yeah, I hope they work on that stuff. Exactly. I, I think I mentioned it last time. Dylan Gabriel doesn't throw that interception, which is a terribly placed ball. It's a whole different world of a game that we are looking at against Boise State. So well, go we out don't deal so, in what ifs in this I'm podcast. Saying, so I clearly do. Hopefully, uh, he can go out and not throw an interception yeah. in this game. And that's and then, what I'm saying. It's like you know, when you get we'll that, when you get into that situation where you can throw a ball one way and gets picked, or one way and gets a touchdown, throw it the right way this time. You know, put the let's, air on it. Let's see that. Yeah. Just like clean up those little mistakes against the team that, you know, you should be pretty handily. That's it. Uh, this next game is a pretty interesting one. I think it's Memphis at Arkansas State. Uh, yeah, I actually really like Arkansas State. They're, they were one of my favorite looked, teams to watch. Lane Hatcher, their quarterback last week, he looked mm. really, really good. And I think that's going to be an immediate test for that secondary at Memphis to let's see what you do against the quarterback who last week was 12 for 12 for 150 yards and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want to see what that looks like, you know, is this an Arkansas State team, uh, Arkansas State team that can throw on you a little bit? Is that defense? It's their first real test to go up against. I think that's exciting to get to go see. Uh, yeah. I'm also interested to see what is going on at quarterback. Is Grant Gannell going to be available this week? Mm-hmm. We really didn't know he wasn't going to be available until like the last second, last week. Yeah. Do we? What do we think of Arkansas State as a team, though? I love the Red Wolves. They they're efficient on offense. They can score points in bunches. Um, defense is it, actually they're very similar to Memphis. If you look, if you line them up, um, they both like to score like that. Defense hasn't always been the first priority for the teams. Um, and I just, I feel like it's going to be a really fun, Arkansas State was fun to watch last year, just in the way that they score and mm-hmm. how often they do it. And I think Memphis has a very similar mentality. So not a whole lot of defense in this game, but it's going to be fun to watch all the touchdowns. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm interested with the quarterback situation at Memphis, just because no one thought Seth Hennigan was going to start week one. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was due to injury. It wasn't like it was this big thing, but he looked good week one too. It wasn't like he went in there and he was a, uh, it was a bum or anything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'll be interested to see all those things about Memphis uh, that looked really good last week. Like, you know, the running game, which ran for like 200, 250-ish yards against Nickel mm-hmm. State. Can you still put up a big day on the ground like that against, you know, in a, against an FBS team? All these are, I think, questions we're learning about Memphis still. I think Memphis wins this game. I think they're the more talented team just naturally. Okay. I do think I'm, it's a close game. I think Arkansas State's a well-coached team, and I think that they're going to put up a bunch of points. But Memphis. Yeah, they are. The, I think the over-under is 64 and a half, or at least when I checked. And um, the over-under is something I do understand. And I would definitely take the over in this game because I think it's going to be like 80. <laughs> I, I absolutely think it's going to be one of those scoring <laughs> games, too. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. But, uh, I'm going to take Arkansas State. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Told you. I'm, I'm full of surprises. <laughs> okay. Well, I got Memphis because I love this conference properly. Love uh, Memphis too, but <laughs> I ha- I got really attached listen, to the Red Wolves last year. I, heard, and I think they're fun. I heard way too much all off season from Memphis fans that I was just counting them out and you know hated oh, Memphis. No, so you kind of have to be. Well, no, yeah. because I I said I think they're a step back overall in the conference this year because I do believe that 
If you compare them to UCF, Cincinnati, SMU, I believe they're in that second tier of teams, not that first tier. That's all. That's all okay. I ever said, Memphis fans. I never said. Well, here, here you go. You're picking them to win. So. <laughs> yep. Uh, absolutely. Uh, our next game is mm-hmm. Morgan State at Tulane. Uh, Morgan State Tulane, that was supposed to be at Yelman Stadium. Again, yep. can't happen there. Getting moved, I believe, to Alabama. Uh, yep, Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Yep, Legion Field. Uh, it is an FCS game. You should win it after that performance against Oklahoma. You can't have a hangover, though. Mm-hmm. You can't. You know, things are really weird for that Tulane program right now still. Yeah. It's not going to get the same attention or love or energy that last week got, but it's still just as weird. It's still just as much time away from home. It's still just mm-hmm. as much time dealing with the aftermath of a hurricane and, you know, going through your community. None of that is easy. Uh, you know, don't let yourself get complacent following a really good performance against Oklahoma. Don't let yourself think that, oh, we just nearly beat Oklahoma in Oklahoma. We can go do whatever we want to these guys because, you know, you could, I, you're not going to get surprised, but you could get surprised. Well, didn't Morgan State get shut out by? I can double check. T- 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 <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they were shut out 31-0 by Towson. Towson? T-O-W-S-O-N. Yes. Uh, yeah, Towson shut them out 31 nothing. Yeah. So Let, when you're looking at that and you're heading into oh, this game. Oh, wait, really quickly. Look, they played mm-hmm. three quarterbacks. Morgan State did. Mm-hmm. Their best quarterback was three for nine with 68 yards. Swallowed by yeah. again went two for nine for four yards, then one for three with seven yards. So no. They're dealing not, with some things. They're their that they got to work out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll freely admit. I'll say right now, I'm not a Morgan State football expert. You know, no, of course not. And and how could you be? You know, it's it, it is a very niche program. But uh, that being said, I my only issue with Tulane this this week is going to be injuries. We mm-hmm. saw a couple guys take very hard hits in the Oklahoma game, specifically really Michael game. Pratt. Um, I was told that he cleared concussion protocol and that he would be fine. But I know they're going to be watching him. I know a couple other guys were being looked at for concussion. I'm not going to say names or anything, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be curious to see how, what it looks like when they get everyone out on the field. So um, that being said, they're fast. They, they play well. The defense was incredible against Oklahoma. I don't think there's going to be a lag or any hangover at all. No, um, absolutely. So. They're, they're a very, very well coached program. When I was yeah. saying that I wasn't predicting it, just saying you have to, avoid no, I know. It. you can, you should look out for it, but I don't think that this program particularly has to look out for it. And I do believe this will be their last game away from home after this one. I, I think I'm being told that they will be able to go back to um, because they've got UAB supposed to play in new Orleans at some point this year. Uh, in September, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so they will be able to get back there for that. That's I was, I was that's told the case, this, and that's really good yeah. because you know they've been basically mm-hmm. they've been away for stuff. a while. Yeah, it's it's hard for the kids to be away that long and and yeah, everything, and they they're rolling with it, but it's not easy. But I was told that they think this would be the last week they would be gone, so that the next week they would well, hopefully th- be able to go home. That'll be good because they do need yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, no. Morgan so you're State picking is, Tulane. Yeah, Morgan State's not a team that should compete with Tulane. Don't yeah. get hungover. Get the stars out by the second half. <laughs> Drink some Pedialyte and get yeah, and stay get hydrated. <laughs> uh, we've hey, got last one, game. Yeah, one more game. It's North Texas Ooh. at SMU. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one of those games that you like because it's a regional game. Yes, I love these ones. They're so fun. This, is a game that I wish it was the same North Texas team from like three years ago when yes. when it was Graham Harrell and Mason Fine, the OC I love Mason quarterback Fine. Yes. He, oh, he was so much fun to watch. Uh, those North so Texas teams ha- were very good and had a lot of people's respect. And 
you know, Seth Luttrell was supposed to be the next big thing at head coach. And he just never really found the job he wanted or never got that offer that he was looking for. Yeah. It's kind of fallen apart a little bit at North Texas for him right now, because the team's taken a couple steps back. I still believe in their offense as being an effective offense, but they're not the same kind of scary conference USA mm-hmm. team they used to be, you know, they're, they're certainly not competing at the top of conference USA. Like they were mm-hmm. you know, just three, four years ago. Like I said, I think for SMU, this game's going to be about making sure that last week's dominance was not just an FCS win. This is about kind of building on that and building up as you kind of play a little bit higher level competition before getting to even higher level competition next week. You know? Yeah. I don't want to discredit uh, North Texas entirely, but I also don't believe that they've got the, uh, just the talent to hang with SMU necessarily. Yeah, this is a game where I would want to pick North Texas because they've always been that team, that little fighter team that could upset people because they're gritty and they're tough. And they honestly have one of the best strength training coaches I've ever, ever interviewed and seen do work. I mean, he's incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. If he's still there, I would have to check. But Mm -hmm. they also did not move the needle in their first game. And they have major concerns at quarterback, which when you line up next to a team like SMU where their quarterbacks, Tanner Mordecai is just slanging records left and right. It's, it's going to be a tough day. So I'm going to have to go SMU, even though I want to pick in my heart, North Texas. I can't do it. I I like SMU here by a lot, to be honest. I think it is good to get that kind of building block game. in. it's kind of a second building block game. They've got law tech next week. uh, SMU does then TCU. So, you know, each one of these games feels like a stepping stone to a slightly harder game to a slightly harder game as they work their way into conference play. Um, Mm -hmm. What you really want to see here is the defense stay dominant though. I don't Mm -hmm. think anyone has any concerns about Tanner Mordecai. I think everyone still has that kind of thought, like what is the defense really? So it'll be interesting to find that out. North North Texas allows so many points per game, especially, you know, within yeah. the last two years, it's yeah, just no, been I really mean, frustrating. Just, they're not going to be able to keep up with yeah. SMU. Even if they have a pretty good day on offense, they can't keep yeah. up with SMU. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so SMU. there we have it. Pony up. Only two picks we diverged. I took Air Force over Navy. You took mm-hmm. Arkansas State over Memphis. Just to keep it interesting. Yeah, change it up a little bit. Everything yeah. else we're all the same on. So it'll be, uh, it'll be tight next week what our scores are. But... Yeah. I think I've got it 11 and 0 once again. <laughs> we'll see. The perfect 11 and 0. No, absolutely. Uh, do you have anything else for us before we wrap up on the conference? Think... Anything fun? No, yeah. I think, well, you're going to have to wait for the out of bounds column tomorrow or Thursday whenever I get it together and, and see what you can expect outside of the field. But other than that, it's just, it seems like a pretty straightforward week for the AAC. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, let's hope so yes let's hope so uh yeah so you can find me at dan underscore morrison 96 i'm gonna mess up one more time so you just take it away what's your twitter handle you can find me at at mlm e-m-i-l-n-e-m all right and we are off see you next time